You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. I think about the lyrics in that song. Even though I don't see it, you're working. Please have a seat. Even though I don't I don't feel it, you're working. And uh, we sing those words, and I think uh, when, I, when I think about my own life, um, how many times we come into positions or, or, or just situations where we pray, and it's like, I don't see it. It's not happening. You know, uh, I, I don't see God's hand at work, or I don't feel it, and maybe we wonder, is God at work? Um, Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through, uh, 21 through 28. And uh, this story is about um, a woman with a very helpless situation. A few years ago, Carrie and I uh, were in Bolivia, actually about 14 years ago. I'm going to tell you a little story about what happened. We, were, uh, we had Caleb and Selah, and we were expecting our third child, and uh, well, uh, we went to Santa Cruz. Carrie started feeling contractions early on, about three months into it. And they were, you know, we thought, oh, these are Braxton Hicks, you know, but no, these were real. We'd had two before, so kind of new. This is, not, this is different. And so we went to the, to the city about three or four, hour, four hours away and uh, saw a doctor, and the doctor diagnosed her with something called preeclampsia, which is... Um, which is what happens is your blood sugar just spikes randomly. And uh, it can throw someone into convulsions. It can be really bad. So um, we talked to this doctor. She said she had this, but she wouldn't explain anything. So just to make sure, we went to two, three other doctors and tried to get a confirmation. And all three of those said, no, she doesn't have anything. Everything's, Everything's perfectly normal. So we went back to the first doctor and said, hey, we were just wondering if you could explain to us why you think this, because we want to be sure. And the doctor said, oh, obviously, it looks like you don't need me. You have other people, so, you know, get out of my office, basically. <laughs> so we left, confused, and not sure what was happening. Uh, anyway, we go back to our little town where we don't have this kind of medical help, and for months... Uh, these contractions just kept coming, and things weren't well. Finally, at the eighth month, we're like, you know, this is bad. Let's go back. So we went back to the city, went to see a doctor, and someone well-recommended, and she took lab results, and right away she said, look, her protein highs, and she showed us lab results. She said, yes, she definitely has it. She needs to be in the hospital right away. So we went five minutes away stayed, and came back the next day, checked her in, and within two hours after checking her in, Carrie started bleeding. And so I, I called the doctor. She came in, emergency C-section, and uh, this young girl was born, Essie. <laughs> well, we first named her Samantha. That was, you know, the name we wanted. And the doctor, when she was born, uh, came to me and said, you know, your daughter has a 30% chance to live, I'd say maybe 30, and you're lucky your wife is alive. And uh, it was hard, just a very tough moment. 
Um, I wasn't sure, how am I going to tell Carrie when she wakes up, you know? And yet for the next uh, month, Essie weighing three pounds at birth, um, she was in an incubator. And for about a month, we were praying, Lord, please, please help us. Please help us. The picture here is of Caleb and, and Selah actually finally getting to see Essie out of the incubator. And we're wondering, is she going to be able to go home? And every day it was kind of volatile, trying to figure out, is this going to work? And finally, we got to take her home and fed her with a syringe <laughs> uh, for, for a while. But God was gracious to us. But if you're a parent, um, you've probably been in situations where, you know, you're desperate for help. You're desperate. Uh, in this story, it's a story about a mom who is, is desperate for help. She comes to Jesus and she's going to cry out, Lord, please help me. That's her prayer. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 15. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said, or affirmative, Lord. You're right, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. <laughs> this is the story we find ourselves with today. And the first thing I notice at the beginning here is leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. What does that mean? I like that word withdrew. Um, a couple weeks back, if you think about the message that was presented, Jesus crossed a lake because he was trying to take a break, right? He's going to cross to the other side to a deserted area and be alone. And when he gets there, the people had walked around and they're meeting him when they dock, right? And so uh, the scripture tells us that he had compassion on them. And he doesn't get his break, he spends time with them. He heals people. He spends time all, all, all afternoon. It becomes late in the afternoon. And what ends up happening is he ends up feeding over 5,000 people. So he's trying to get a break. And, and those people, after he fed them, they wanted to turn around and make him king. Because this, this, this Jesus, this person who comes from heaven can give you food in the desert. But Jesus got away, and he went up in the mountains, and then in the next chapter, chapter 15, Jesus is confronted by Pharisees who come from Jerusalem, 
They're like the uh, people who are going to check up on him from Jerusalem, and they come up, they're trying to make sure that, you know, this teacher is, is following uh, the Torah, he's following the laws, he's following the traditions. And right away they pointed out, man, your disciples, they don't wash their hands right. They don't, they don't wash their hands. They're not doing it the right way. How can you be from God if you're unclean to start with? And Jesus points out, you know, you guys are focused on the exterior. What, what makes you unclean isn't what is outside. What makes you unclean is what comes out of your heart. That's what contaminates people. And these Pharisees, they walked away offended, insulted. And so Jesus, again, he withdraws. He goes to take a break. The book of Mark actually tells us that he walked into a house and he didn't want anyone to know where he was. I mean, this is Gentile territory. It's Tyre and Sidon. It's Paganville, right? And he doesn't want anyone to know, but this is where he is. And so he withdraws. And so Tyre and Sidon is up here in the northeast on the coast. And then later he's going to go in this same chapter, he's going to go to Caesarea Philippi where, he, where we think he fed, well, that's where he feeds 4,000 people. And this week when I was talking to Jay, uh, he pointed out, those are Gentiles. Anyway, um, this is where he is. And this woman comes to Jesus with her need. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. But one of the things that's so interesting, it's, it's so good, is she has a need, a great need. I wonder how many places she's gone to try to solve this need. Maybe exorcists or, you know, doctors or, you know, I've met with parents who've, who've dealt with physical needs, children or, or their, their own, or they have, you know, kids with financial issues or mental breakdowns. Well, this woman has a great need. These spirits have chosen to make a nest in her daughter, to live inside her, to control her. And she has no way to get her free, but she hears Jesus is nearby, so she comes to Jesus with her need. Because why? Um, she comes to Jesus, and one of the things that she, right away we recognize some observations in this passage is that her recognition of Jesus and her request, she recognizes something about Jesus, and right away she calls out, and the, the thing she says is, son of David. Son of David. How does she know? Even in Israel, Jesus goes to different places, and they're like, oh, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Yeah, that's, that's not really where he's from. He grew up there, but he was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. This woman is a Gentile. Maybe she overheard the story from the crowds wanting to make him king, and she started thinking about it. Just like that blind man in Jericho, a blind man, hears stories all the time, and suddenly he starts crying out, son of David. This woman is a Gentile, and she sees who Jesus is and recognizes him. Son of David, he comes from the line of kings. She calls him king, basically. And then she says, have mercy on me. But she's a Gentile. If he is king, he's king of Israel. And she's a Gentile, right? But that's her request, son of David. And, and her request is, have mercy on me. That word 
mercy. And is God merciful? Well, if you look at her daughter, is Jesus merciful? Will Jesus have mercy on a Gentile woman? That's, that's the question here. And we go back in history and we think about Adam and Eve, the beginning. Um, we go to the garden and God gave them everything. And they chose the one thing he said not to go to. They rejected God himself by taking what he said, don't, don't eat the fruit. But they reject God and, and take the fruit. And so they deserved death, for the wages of sin is death. They deserved death. And that day they were separated from the source of life. They're separated from God. But God chose to leave their battery running on their bodies and their minds and give them time to reconsider and maybe come and say, Lord, help me. And over time, God establishes a covenant with his people. We hear of Noah and then Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 31. It says this about God's covenant. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. He confirmed a covenant. He chooses to make a promise and commit himself to these people, not because they deserved it, not because they were entitled to it, but because he is a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. And it, over and over again, even after, after Israel over and over and over again insults and rejects God and brings idols into the very temple of God. They bring idols and, and set them up there. They sacrifice their children to, to pagan idols. And God still chooses not to abandon his promise. And above all, God promises a seed that would one day come and defeat, destroy what, what the devil has done. And here's Jesus. Here's the promised seed, the son of David, and will he have mercy on, on this Gentile, on this, on this woman? And his response? Silence. Seems cold. It's going to get colder. <laughs> but he is very purposeful. We've got to keep in mind, this is Jesus. He knows this woman. He knows her limitations. He knows exactly how far she's going to go. He knows exactly what she's thinking, how long she's been looking for help. He knows her. He also knows his disciples, and he knows you and me today. And he's about to use this woman's faith as an illustration, a real-life illustration of what later he would call like this persistent widow who goes before a judge and asks for help, and the judge ignores her, and she keeps asking and asking. It's, it's that picture it's a real picture of her. And so here's this woman. Jesus responds with silence, and it makes me wonder, have, have you been there? Have, have we been there at some point where we pray and we ask for help? We pray and ask Jesus, please, please help me, and, and we get silence. Um, Jesus here responds with silence. And then when he does answer, he says this, Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. They want to, you know what, if you're, if you're not going to answer her, 
let, send her away. Can we do that? We're trying to take a break here. We're on vacation. You know, let's have fun. Um, but Jesus ans- and Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Did he answer it just to his disciples? Maybe the woman overheard. But the point is I've been doing ministry and the whole purpose why I'm sent, I'm, I'm, I'm the Jewish Messiah. I'm the promised one to Israel and I've got to do this work in Israel. I'm not here for this. This isn't why I'm here. And the work he's going to do in Israel is such a great work that it will be the work that will open the way for the whole world to be part of this promise that was given to Abraham years ago. Jesus is working, but he's saying, this isn't the right time. This is, this is not what I'm here for. And so the woman, somehow she gets around the disciples and she comes and she kneels before him. And you can see this woman's perseverance. She's, she comes and she kneels before him. Lord, help me, she said. She, can, she keeps praying. It, makes, it reminds me of this little girl. A few weeks ago, we had baptisms, right? Easter Sunday. There was a girl in our uh, third service. Actually, it was fourth that day. Uh, in the afternoon, her name, there were two girls baptized. One of them was named Daniela. And I'd heard she wanted to get baptized, so I went and met with her, with her and her mom, and she said, I don't want Dad to know I'm getting baptized. She wanted to surprise him. And so I, I sat with her, and there are usually two questions I'll ask someone who wants to get baptized. One is, who is Jesus to you? And her answer is, he is my Savior. I'm like, okay. And my second question, why do you want to get baptized? And she says, she's thinking about it, she says, well, a few years ago, and she was 13, so she's like, a few years ago, um, I started praying for dad, and I asked for prayer requests for dad. Dad is Pablo, and I've shared his story before. This is the other side of the story. But I, I prayed for dad, and because dad, he never spent time with us. He would come home drunk. He partied, never spent time with her, didn't love mom, didn't love us, didn't care about us. And so I started praying for dad. (laughs) And the year before she got baptized, we baptized Pablo. He came, he was very broken. He did some amazing things. He actually came to me and said, you know, I haven't treated my wife the right way since we've been married. I didn't do it right. I'd like to remarry her. Can we do that? (laughs) So we had this great party where he did that. Um, and here on Easter Sunday, Pablo finds out his daughter is getting baptized. And I said, hey, would you come in the tank and baptize your daughter? And he baptizes her. But this idea, Daniela was praying for her dad. She wasn't the only one. Her mom was praying for her dad. Her grandmother was praying for her dad. Many of us were praying for her dad. And we, would, we heard the story and we knew the brokenness. Perseverance. Keep praying. And that's what this, this woman comes and kneels before Jesus. Lord, help me, she said. She shows perseverance and humility. What an example. Somehow she gets around them. Uh, Mark tells us that she fell prostrate at his feet. In physical demonstration of, of reverence and humility. It makes me wonder about myself about when 
you know, the times I pray. Usually, I'll pray in the morning when I get up. I'm still in my bed, asleep, or in bed. I'll wake up, and I'll start praying, you know, um, or, or I'll be driving. And whatever position I find myself in when I think about it, that's, that's how I pray, usually. But this woman, she bows, falls prostrate on her face before Jesus and says, please help me. How often do I take the time to maybe, you know, show Jesus physically, I, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I will kneel before you because you are my king. How often, I don't know what your expression is when you pray. Maybe you bow your head or, or take your hat off or I don't know. But just, just pointing out these, these, this way of approaching God, a way of saying, Lord, I don't deserve to be here and I just want you to know that. What's interesting in this story, what's something that's amazing to me is I love how, how Jesus draws out her great faith. He seems cold, and his, that coldness has a great purpose. And he draws out her faith. He sa- it says, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, and it seems so cold. How can you say that? Yeah, we're looking at it through our Western lens. We don't really understand exactly what it means, right? Like uh, Matt's called me dog before, but it was like a friend, hey, dog, what's up? Uh, th- that's nice. I don't think that's what he's doing here. Um, you know, but this is also not a very sensitive culture. Israelites usually referred to Gentiles as dogs. And rabbis normally didn't talk to women. This is a Canaanite woman. According to Mark, supposedly the word dog is in the diminutive form, which is little dog in Spanish. We actually have that diminutive form. We'd say perrito, which is kind of a cute dog kind of a way. But no matter how you put it, it, it's still, didn't call her person, right? So is he being really cold and just trying to put her down, or, 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 is, he, or, is, he gonna, or is he treating her with compassion? How is he, how, we can see this through different lenses, but the point is, how does she see him? That's the question. How does she see Jesus? And Sarah Biera pointed out, at preaching team this week, you know, she is persistent in knowing who Jesus is. He's silent. Oh, no. That's not going to stop me. He just said, it's for Israel only. That's not going to stop me. A dog. And look at her response. Oh, here's a picture for you. How many of you have dogs? Okay. How many of you feed your dogs under the table? Be honest. Oh, okay. No, no hands up. That's good. Uh, my, oh, one over there. Okay. Um, yeah, um, my grandmother has a dog, and usually it comes over and stays at our place, and rules at her house, rules at our place. Uh, but rules are generally you don't feed your dog at the table. Reality? I have kids. I have me, and when they look at you like that, they're just staring at you. It's hard to say no. Right? It's hard. But Jesus is taking a picture. And, and, and this woman responds with, with the same picture. Yes, it is, Lord. And the King James says, truth. 
You're right. Those are the rules. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What she's saying is, Jesus, this is your table. If a crumb falls off your table, that is sufficient. That's like a banquet for me. That's amazing. These are amazing crumbs. I'll take it. Please let a crumb fall off the table. Because she recognizes who Jesus is and how great his table is, how great it is to spend time to be in his presence. It will heal her daughter. And Jesus responds, woman, you have great faith. Your faith, your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that very moment. It's interesting when, you, when Jesus talks to the disciples and over and over again, you see the disciples struggling with their faith. And Jesus will say, oh, ye of little faith. You know, ugh. But there are two times that I can think of in the New Testament where Jesus points out people with great faith. The first was a Roman centurion, not Jewish. He comes to Jesus and he flat out recognizes you don't even have to be present for something to happen. You have authority And Jesus says, I have not found such faith in all of Israel. And here he's outside of Israel, and the disciples are watching. And to them he says, oh, you have little faith. And to her, woman of great faith. So this is the passage this morning, and I just want to ask you, we, we take the passage in, but we have to ask ourselves, what can I take? What, what, is, what is in this? What, is in my, what can I take for my life? How do I apply this to my life? And I have some questions I'd like us to just consider. Do you know someone who illustrates what living, living by faith looks like? Maybe you don't. But here at Grace Community Church, there are a bunch of people who follow Jesus and love him. And we would like to walk with you. We'd like to walk with you. It's not perfect. We're walking with Jesus together. Like the disciples, we're going to struggle, but we're going to walk with Jesus. I have the great privilege of being three generations, at least three generations, into a family that loves Jesus. My grandmother from Paraguay was a woman of great faith. She would wake up at four o'clock in the morning and pray for her eight kids that she practically raised on her own. And my mother would wake up sometimes and listen and hear her mom praying for her. And it would anger her. Stop praying for me. I don't want to hear this. And one day at age 13, my mother comes to Christ. I have that as an example. I have my parents as an example. Do you have someone? Are you someone who can illustrate faith to other people, your children or others? Um, Who is Jesus to you? This woman knew Jesus, son of David, king of Israel. Maybe she didn't understand everything, but she understood some things, enough to have great faith. Who is Jesus to you? And you have to make a choice. Either Jesus offends you, or he's king. He's Lord. He's the one who can help you. 
How do you know? How do you know who Jesus is? Scripture doesn't ask us to just chuck our brains out the door and believe in this Jesus blindly like Santa Claus. Sorry, kids. There aren't any kids here. But yeah, uh, he's, Hebrew says uh, faith is the evidence of things unseen. Be convinced. Be truly convinced. Because if you're not convinced, Jesus is not worth it. He is real. And he can save. And he can transform. Who is he to you? Number three, in what ways might God be drawing out, testing, or growing your faith? I'm reminded of the church in Thessalonica when Paul writes them. He says, I'm just so impressed by this church because it's known for its faith and its love. And I think about us, each one of us in here. What are you known for? Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if people in Gresham, people in Portland, knew us as a church, as a people who love Jesus, who love people, and who live by faith, who live making choices, pursuing God's will, not the world and its, and its, and its desires pass away, but the one who seeks God's will will, will remain forever. That's, that's who we, what we live by. And number four, what is your need before God? What is your need before God this morning? In John chapter six, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That applies to that woman. It applies to you and me. If you're not a Jesus follower and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he is calling you. Come to me. Not sure what your struggles are, maybe Maybe you're saying, you know what, but, I, but I'm a broken mess. I'm a screw-up. And Jesus would say, I know. Come to me, I will not drive you away. Maybe you'll say, I, I, I fail all the time. I don't know if I can keep this up. Jesus said, I will never drive you away. Just come to me. I've done things that can't be undone. I've hurt people. Jesus is like, yeah, that's why I went to the cross, to pay for your sins. Come to me, I will never drive you away. Think about Peter and who are following Jesus. I mean, people who are following Jesus like Peter and Matthew and Mary Magdalene. Jesus is saying, come to me. I will never drive you away. I will always receive you. But you have to come to Jesus with your need. As we consider the price that Jesus paid to make this possible, today is, we get to celebrate communion. And in Titus chapter 3, before we, before we break bread and we think about this price and what Jesus did for us, Let's just read this. At one time, 
we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Because of his mercy. So, let's take a moment. I'd like to invite the uh, uh, band back up. We're going to continue worshiping. But before we do that, I'm going to invite you to get, uh, have your bread ready and the cup. And I'm going to pray. And as we worship, we'll, we'll eat and we'll remember the body that was broken for us. We'll remember the blood that was spilled to give us life. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, for your love, for your great mercy, for the price you paid on the cross. Thank you for the bread which reminds us of the body that was broken for us. Thank you for the cup that reminds us of, our, of your life poured out for us. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we worship, go ahead and, and eat and drink. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 says this. So then just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just in the same way that we come to Christ, we come with nothing I just want to encourage you, let's not forget to live this week in him. Let's go and live in Christ. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.